Welcome back to In Transit. Last week, we were joined by Nicole, a rising filmmaker and storyteller with a world of experiences in telling stories that have taken her all over the globe, from New York to London and South Africa to India, and for now, back to her home country, Uganda. Nicole unforgivingly uses her education and privilege to her advantage in order to create the work she sees as necessary. I think it makes me a better storyteller that I have let life uh, throw me around. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm in the same it's like I'm in the same country but I've gone to different districts. How have you brought this value to some of the projects that you've worked on those that aren't yours per se the ones that maybe you've produced or consulted or co-wrote? I'm always thinking about the person watching and always thinking about being true you know we we worry so much that oh my god this other person who is very similar to my to me say another filmmaker is doing some dope shit and oh my god when people see my stuff they'll think it's fake um you know every time i'm you know when i'm consulting with an, a fellow filmmaker or even a dancer someone who is in the creative space or even someone who is building a company that is about say it i'm always thinking what story are you trying to tell people why should we care um the marketing comes to mind for me i'm always thinking what kind of images i'm trying to get people's attention to because right now it's not about how much money someone can spend on your product it's about how can you tug at their heartstrings how can you create a, a, a rhythm can you create magic with this person even if you're selling shavers can i say i want to be aligned with that company and that's the the beauty of effective storytelling is that you can share a human emotion with an object with a person you would never see and so that's that's how all these experiences have informed my work and how I work with other people it also makes me feel like my unique experience is what people are paying for right but you can also go and hire somebody else and their unique experience will inform your project in a different way I don't feel like I, I'm competing with people as much as I'm competing with my old self. Okay. I mean, that's a very cliche thing to say. Oh my God. But <laughs> it's true. It's true. Like, it's not wrong. I, you can pay one photographer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can pay a photographer that will do stuff like this. Or you can pay me and I'll see the world differently. At the moment, having been to all these places and garnered this diverse set of experiences, right now um, you're based back home in Uganda where the storytelling across the board, across all these things that you've worked in, journalism, film, is not as robust or as mature. Yeah. How have you found working within this context, despite the global perspective that has been formed through all the places that you've, that you've worked? I found it extremely hard. And I will say that it should be hard anyways. For me, I find that the career I have chosen, the path, the vocation is a calling from God. And it's not something that I can pick up and leave. I will forever be haunted by my neglect of this. The first, the difference between this time now and the first time I moved back home was that the first time I was trying to save the world. I was trying to save Africa. Yeah? <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I have all these goals. <laughs> and me, I'm very honest about that. I was quite the naive young child. I wanted to... 
I was just tired of talking about Africa when I was in America. Yeah. I just thought it was so boring and like I didn't do anything. I was just writing all these ideas down and not practicing them. And then I came home and life beat me up and it was good. Now this time around, life is still beating me up. I know it's still great, <laughs> but I have goals. Yeah. The fact that our creative communities are very virgin or they appear virgin anyway in the in the developed sense of it mm. we're not yet at a stage to compete internationally yeah you know we're not just not in a place where we can call that attention we have extremely talented people here behind and in front of the camera who are just as good if not better than so many people in developed countries however we lack the foundations of of doing business right <laughs> you know we lack integrity as a whole as a collective we lack the sense of we're doing this for us not for me yeah and that is something that overpowers a lot of creative work here is that you can tell when someone is just doing something for money versus when someone an artist has produced something that oh wow they're they're saying something right they're taking your time but you're happy to pay that 50,000 shillings per hour for their thing. So that's the difference I found of this time around. It gives me an opportunity to practice what I have learned, what I have read, what I've absorbed. And I can only do what I've done here right now in this moment in time. I can only make a film, raise money, make a film, uh, put on a play, grab a couple of people, do stuff at the National Theatre, in Uganda right now because our structures are not yet that solid and so you can scam the system into doing something good which is what I'm not necessarily doing but it has helped me that some people look at me like that okay I may not be the experienced but I am definitely very passionate so okay. I've taken that and run with it but I mean you seem to be scamming the system in a good way from our conversations you you strongly believe in bringing that element of professionalism to the field that you're describing is lacking. Briefly speak about what that professionalism entails and how you practice that within your projects. It's basic stuff, Isaac. It's like when you say you're going to meet someone at 7 a.m. for a meeting, you will be there. I, I, I will repeat this. We have talent here, but talent is not enough to move mountains. That's true. There's so many talented people in the world, but I, can you work hard? Can you walk without expecting someone to tell you thank you every time? Can you walk without your ego interfering with, you know, with the process, with the creative process? You know, we were talking about creative processes last week and it is, it is a bitch to go through a creative process when your co-workers are, are, just, are just, you know, focused on, on their own thing. It, you know, professionalism in terms of paying people when you say you're going to pay people and, and, and paying them the amount you said you're going to pay them. I I had a film production in January and I told people we're going to sign contracts and I'm going to pay you this. And everybody who who was paying attention anyway and on my set, who saw that we'd raised a certain amount of money, expected to be paid a certain amount of num of money. So when, when I came in with a figure, they're like, ah, uh, uh, you know, some people were asking for $5,000 for four days of work. And I was like, what? okay, I mean, I look like Zuckerberg or what? <laughs> and there are levels to people, you know, people will show you who they are over time. Yeah. And character, I think, is the big thing we lack. Obviously, 
I'm not saying that Hollywood doesn't have uh, ridiculously bad people. They do. Yeah. It does. Yeah. But here we are collectively so focused on, I want to shine. I don't want us to shine. We're forgotten that if we shine, everybody, I yeah. shine. You know, everybody shines. Yeah. And that bleeds into how we do business. Cool. Wait, let me run the vibe, there's no race Give yourself some time to check face You can keep bad energy far away Hey, okay I'ma take my coffee, no lay She can tell I might see Ole Refresh, can keep it juicy OJ, she don't need no advice to choose me It's blatant <laughs> Full Full Condition is an annual compilation album Presented by Tangaza Magazine Showcasing the sonic diversity Of rising East African musicians The song playing now Is called Two of a Kind By Kenyan artist Mao If you like what you hear You can listen to the rest of the album At tangazamagazine.com or by searching full full condition on any of the major streaming platforms. The fact that uh, someone can want to be, let's say, a singer, but they're not really focused on how they're going to make money. You have a certain expectation of your lifestyle, then you have this gift. Okay, then work very hard. Yeah. Put out an EP, okay, right. then continue the marketing, okay, then tell people something, go to this performance, do that, but nobody not nobody, and let me not speak for the singers all of them, but you look at the work ethic, and it's shit The standard that exists before people on the ground does not reflect yeah. the true potential of the place, I believe, I think that what people are more capable of collectively in East Africa is a lot more than what one person can achieve. I, I, I doubt that, and this is something that my dad says quite often, is that Africa is not going to produce the next Fortune 500 company, single company, like the next Facebook is not going to come from Africa that way. It's going to be from a conglomerate of efforts. You know, It's really going to be a combination of these startups coming together to form something bigger. And I think the same applies creatively. I don't think that the next global superstar um, or Africa's first global superstar, let's say, is going to be a single entity. It's going to be a collective force. And yeah, if, if people have the mindset that they do now, where it's like, pay me up front, uh, you know, where they're like, they don't want to, they don't want to work if the project doesn't have the right kind of clout. Clout. That's it right there. They don't want to work if it's like not there yet. But then at the same time, when it's there yet, they want to be paid a, a ridiculous fee. Like it's yeah. these these strange things that I think is holding back the whole thing because no one is thinking in terms of the whole thing. I'm curious as to the other people that you work with who are who you find have the same have that same vision um if you could speak on maybe one or two projects that you've done in the last two or three years where you you were you were in a team that was collectively working for something beyond just the success of this single project right right oh man i mean the best example is this film that wrapped in jan it may have my name on it as writer, director, and producer, but I think the best way that I was able to do it, apart from God, divine intervention, because <laughs> filmmaking is so 
fucking hard. <laughs> what I found was that the person who rises to the top in terms of reputation or in terms of uh, who people recommend, and may, you, it may be someone you've never even heard of, right? That person is doing it because they love the heck out of the, the final product. They love what cinema can do. They love what an album can do, what music, what effect music can have on, say, children, on, on, on parents, you know, on, on messages. Yeah. What I found was that I had, exper- I had experience, which, you know, an example is someone came to me and within five minutes they told me, you know, I'm one of the main leaders of the f- film industry. They did not talk like that. I'm just trying to do- reduce my... <laughs> But they were like, you know, I'm one of the main leaders in the Uganda's film industry. So you're lucky that someone recommended you to me because I can open doors for you. I said, "Uh uh-huh, is it? And the person was like, yeah, you haven't really, you haven't heard of my name yet. And something in me said, Nicole, stay away from this person. But I was like, I'm desperate. I need these things from this person. Let's go with it. And when you Google Uganda's filmmakers or this person will never has never come up in the first page, second page, third page of Google search results. But here they are telling you they are X, Y, and Z. But my heads of department in each across the board, I'd never heard of these people until a year or two ago. Yeah. But if you ask people in the industry, great. They they came on board, I explained the vision to them, and then what they did was say, you know what, I'm on this pro- I'm gonna come on this project because this is how I can contribute and what I think it will help. Not the reasons I had in the beginning for me personally, but they brought new reasons to care. So mm. having this film and showcasing what Ugandan talent can do showed me that the people who are the best, and I don't mean best as in no one can do it better than them. I mean best as in they are at the top of their game today right now. And you can tell that if these people are given resources, they can accelerate. Another thing that I noticed was that they are in the business of mentoring others. And, and when I say the business of it, I mean like they actively seek people that they can teach and transfer knowledge to, especially people who are underprivileged or who do not have the same access to resources like they do. And resources in Uganda no longer means money, but networks. And this is really not just Uganda. I guess it's all over the world, but here you know, depending on your your size of the nose, the color of your skin, the kind of clothes you wear, people will not work with you. I When I'm in certain areas of Kampala, I use my Muganda name. And the other times, I don't care whether people know my tribe or not, but there are places that I would hang out where it is imperative that if I say I'm Nagawa, which means it's a Muganda name, I will get in. Someone will be like, oh, cool, cool. We can work with you. We can help you. I found it very fascinating. And I think that the people that I worked with in this film who came together to tell this film and to show the world that you guys were sick too, were that we didn't do it because of tribe or this. No one asked that person, oh, what does your parent do? What what do you do? In fact, these were parents. These were people who left their families for days just to work on this project because they believed in something more than themselves that's what sets them apart and those are the people that will be noticed but just not in the tabloidy kind of way yeah briefly speak on this film though how long have you been writing it what is it about the the purgatory that it's editing and 
uh, I, I'm scared of the film now, but no, the film is a third <laughs> film, and it is about a schoolgirl, eight years eight year old girl, who finds out that she has other siblings at what appears to be her father's deathbed, and it's a film about the siblings we know and those we don't know. Speak a little bit about how the cultural nuance to to what you've just said might differ. One of the things I've noticed about living at home is that we like to attribute behavior to this is our culture, yeah. this is how we do it here. And when you travel, you realize that culture is blood. That what we think we do here in Uganda is also done in India, is also done in Scotland. Right. Yes, we have a, a patriarchal, patriarchal society in Uganda. And in terms of the privileges that men are afforded when it comes to procreation and and relationships, yeah, they get an upper hand. But that is not breaking news outside the boundaries of Uganda. The film was inspired by a Scottish film called Gasman. And it was about a young girl whose dad takes her and her brother to a Christmas party. On the way of on the way as they're going there. A woman and two kids come, come talk to the dad, and these two kids join these guys, and they all go to the party. And it's only at the end that the girl realizes, oh my god, this is also my my sister and brother. Uh-huh. I've been thinking about this kind of story because it's also my story. It's also so many people's stories yeah. that I met in high school, in boarding school. The stories of what you know, one of the things we used to bond over was when was the first time you found out you had other siblings. Can you imagine wow. kids in bowling? Yeah, just talking. You're not allowed cell phones. You're not allowed radios. You're not allowed stuff. So what do you do after studying? You talk about your families. You talk about the things you've done. And one of the things I remember us talking about was that first day. When I was growing up, I never thought that I was different, that I had a weird family dynamic. But when I finally said, asking people about theirs, that's when I realized, oh, ours is not that normal but then that's the thing is what is normal and also what is bad what is good and so i wanted i want i had always been ruminating about my father and the things that he thought about my mom what did this guy what is their relationship like it is a little bit different than asking them straight up i just i don't i to this day i have not really had a conversation with my mom about the film in its entirety it's just that oh hey this is the film i'm making oh it has similarities to us yes okay (laughs) (laughs) but nothing too deep like right i mean there's some deep things but not nothing groundbreaking earth shattering so yeah this film i wanted it to spark conversation and originally it wasn't so personal but an actress i wanted for a role was like i'm not really feeling the story can you what was the inspiration tell me about that maybe i can dig deeper you know relay the message yeah dig deeper and and share this role with other people i think might like it and when i told her my story she's like no offense but yours is more interesting than the one you've written wow (laughs) right if you don't mind maybe you can write yours uh, but you have to be ready and that's true i i'm in a place where i can uh, critically analyze how my story is very similar to other people's stories. So culture, cultural nuance is there in the sense that it's set in ginger. It's you know there is yeah. there is a judger. There is a, I'm even spoiling the story, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> there is there are Ugandan elements from a physical sense of it. But yeah, I, I I'm just a big believer that 
this whole attachment we have to culture as if it's a goddess lying in, in on the top of some mountain telling us how to behave does not exist. Our culture is human culture. Right. You know, there's so many examples of evidence. Why are we so attached to Hollywood films and series? And why are we so enamored by British sensibility? It's because there's something familiar about it. Uh, and so I think okay. the cultural nuance is that it's set in Uganda. For now, yeah. that's what I can say. I've seen movies pop up on uh, Netflix, uh, like The Burial of Kojo, The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind, Chenvu on Hulu. You know, they are authentically told African stories through the lens of individuals who you can see. You can They physically take up these spaces. They're not ideas like portrayed by an outsider. Yeah. But in the same breath, I would say that they have in common what you've just described in that that's as far as it goes. Then beyond that, it's the human right. it's the human story. With. How, how do you see your work in the context of these other movies? Is there like a, like a growing canon of like African storytelling that is authentic, but also not, not just empty? You know, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, cool. These are set in Africa. These are, you know, authentically African stories, but they're also just stories. It's not like they're not cool because they're African, you know? Yes. Oh, I love that question. It's a very hard question because there is no answer to an authentically African story. I think we're, we're slowly migrating into this era of cinema, of African cinema, where the genre is not African film. It is thriller. It is romantic drama. And this is one of the things that I love about the current slate of films that are coming out of the continent. So back in the 60s and 70s, people like Usman Semben were, and, and a bunch of other West African, especially Francophone West African filmmakers, were getting the spotlight in terms of African cinema. Yeah. And it's because they were so overtly African in the in like you know African language and with foreign language I mean with um English subtitles it was sort of the precursor to Nollywood and then you have films like Rafiki films like Chembu films like uh uh what's it Bar of Kojo I haven't watched Bar of Kojo or uh Rafiki but films like Mother of George now Mother of George is one of the films that came out in 2003 14 starring the Nigeria. It is cinematically one of the most beautiful films ever. But, you know, I I have issues with it from a storytelling perspective, from like a script perspective, because I'm a screenplay geek, but or not. But but in terms of African filmmaking, this is one that a lot of African filmmakers will point to and say, oh, that is a film that is, you know, the quintessential new wave of African films, where but it's not really saying, hi, I'm African. Hello, see me. It's saying, oh my, this is a woman in New York who can't get pregnant. Mm. What? And she happens to be African and she happens to wear African prints. So I hope that we reach a point where we can't even define what African filmmaking is. Rather, we can say, wow, there's so much. There's a plethora of films that, the human experience and that's what I hope my film does is that I happen to be an African but I'm also a filmmaker and we can go beyond oh African filmmaker boom no just filmmaker this 
you know, I, I, I recently started dreaming, wow, if I directed a Marvel film, what would my identity be to that? If I directed a film that is a horror, that say Bloomhouse production horror, mm. they have a certain kind of, you know, eerie Jordan Peele-ness to them, weird, you know, um, yeah. ending. If I directed that, what would it look like? How would I bring my identity or my contextual experience to that? So it's so difficult to answer your question because I don't know that it the answer exists. And I hope that no one can say my African films, they're like this, 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 because that's putting us in a box. It's almost like, you know, I'm glad there are LGBTQ festi- film festivals and all of that stuff. But I mean, I'm, they're there because these communities need a place to celebrate, you know, there. Again, the, the otherness of people, I don't think is, is, is necessary but they exist because there's a lack. And in the same breath, do we need African film festivals that which we have that celebrate uniquely African films? I don't think so. I think Durban Film Festival and Zanzibar and Fespaco, these guys should also incorporate films from all over the world so that cinema can can be the great equalizer that it is already, you know, a place where we can empathize with all kinds of human emotions. Thanks for joining us once again. This has been another episode of In Transit. Please, if you enjoyed this episode, subscribe for more content. Be sure to check out Tengaza's website and Tengaza's page on Apple News. There, you'll find everything and anything you need to know about what's new in East Africa. Reach out to us at Tengaza Magazine on all socials and let us know what you think of this podcast and our content. See you next time. Came through dressing fake bubbly, shorty on the dance floor bubbling. She came with a friend, new strategy. Says I can call a friend if he ain't ugly, ugly, ugly. Told I only keep fly company. Call my friend on the phone, new strategy. Full Full Condition is an annual compilation album presented by Tangaza Magazine, showcasing the sonic diversity of rising East African musicians. The song playing now is called Agale by Expresso, a Nairobi-based collective. If you like what you hear, you can listen to the rest of the album at tangazamagazine.com or by searching Full Full Condition on any of the major streaming platforms. This is a GB Mystical Production.